Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. And I'm going to start by asking, what a difference a month makes. Am I right, Wisco fam? About a month ago, your Packers were 2-5. and five. Most of you all were acting like the entire franchise was on fire. Like all of a sudden, Lambeau had become a house of horrors. And it wasn't only Wisco fam, even Wisco GM was hesitant to say that Jordan Love was the guy for the long term in Green Bay. Something tells me Goody has got a very different take this morning. Something tells me Wisco fam is seeing the light on Love. Something tells me Wisco fam thinks that they have their guy. After watching their guy straight up outplay Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes in prime time to get the pack back to 500 last night. They are back to 500 and very much in this thing. Really impressive performance from Jordan Love. And that's not some one-off. That's not some anomaly. That's not some isolated incident either. Dude has actually been balling for weeks now. And it's hard to say that he isn't looking the part. The part right now. Guy looks good. Really good. You know, the part of the Packers franchise quarterback. As Keyshawn Nixon put it, after the game, Aaron tossed him the keys, and now Love is driving that Porsche. <laughs> man, Terry, good. I told y'all, man, you know what I'm saying? The media talk crazy about him, but he's a hell of a player and he's a competitor. I like. I got here last year, I sat and watched him, you know, learn from 12, and uh, 12 gave him the key, and he's driving the Porsche now. He's driving the Porsche now. He's not wrong either, considering that 2-5 and five start, considering the injuries on both sides of the ball, considering how young this team is, and considering how hot the Heat got after that rough start, it is pretty amazing where they are. They're sitting in the NFC as the number 7 seed, fresh off going toe-to-toe with the defending champs in primetime and getting over. I mean, who would have saw that at 2-5? and five? That Green Bay win was about as impressive as the loss was alarming for the Chiefs. Because regardless of how much faith you have in Mahomes, it is undeniable that this team has legit issues on offense. Really for the first time in the Mahomes era, his numbers are down across the board. I'm not saying it's his fault, far from it. But that passing attack just does not scare anybody anymore, which has got to be really scary for Chiefs fans. The passing attack isn't scary, and the defense that was actually scary for most of the season is no longer what it was earlier in the year. So I really don't want to hear from Chiefs fan about the ref show today. Yes, the ref show is the worst show, as always, and somehow when you believe it can't get any worse, it does. Yes, they missed a blatant P.I. on the final drive last night, and... And so what? They always miss something. They always blow something. That's why they're the stars of their own long-running show, the ref show. Tell me something I didn't already know. What I would like to know is this. Since when did it ever matter to the Chiefs? Since when did the Mahomes-led Chiefs need to cry and beg for flags to win? Since when do the Chiefs need the ref show bailout? To win a big game. If that's where you're at, Chiefs fan, 
blaming the ref show, then you need to get a grip and realize you've got much bigger problems than the ref show. Or maybe that's why you're all fixated on the zebras. Specifically because you don't want to think about those real problems. Listen, I'm not here to throw a bunch of dirt on Big Red. It's my guy. I'm not here to throw dirt on Mahomes or even the Chiefs. But I'm sure as hell not going to sit here and ignore the fact that they've got problems. And they aren't what they were. Because they have problems. And they aren't what they were. And these problems are nothing new either, by the way. These problems have nothing to do with the ref show. So enough about the damn ref show. Let's talk about the alleged game of the year. Why don't we talk about that for a minute? The game of the year, which turned out to be one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Which turned out to be not much of a game at all. The game of the year was basically a gigantic Philly faceplant. Only in Philly could the head coach be out at midfield barking at the other team before the game just to turn around and get his head caved in. Only in Philly could a dude named Big Dom get tossed for getting involved from the sideline. Is that not the most Philly thing ever? Big Dom getting in the middle of something? Of course the Philadelphia Eagles have a head of security named Big Dom. And of course Big Dom managed to bait a Niners linebacker into an ejection. And of course Philly fan gave Big Dom a standing O for it. Again, only in Philly. Way to Philly it up, Philly. Other than the game itself, that was awesome. If only somebody else on that sideline showed up ready for a fight like Big Nick and Big Dom showed up ready for a fight. Hell, Big Dom almost made James Kelly's foster bro, Kyle Shanahan's head, explode. Tried my hardest not to lose my mind. Hopefully I didn't embarrass myself too bad. Um, but yeah, once I, I didn't get to see it all from where I'm at, but when I start hearing people explain it to me and stuff, and um, I just can't believe someone not involved in a football game um, can taunt our players like that and put their hands in our guy's face. And um, from what I was told, um, Dre did it back to him, and I was told that he kind of mashed him in the face a little bit, so he got ejected, but um, it was a, it was a very frustrating play. I got to watch it to have a true opinion on it, but um, I loved how we rallied after it. I'll tell you what, like, I always respect a head coach having his guys' backs, but it is hilarious to see Big Dom get that far under Lobster JR's son's or Lobster JR's skin. I mean, even after the game, it sounded like he was getting an aneurysm. He's like, ah, <laughs> I mean, he was strung out. Big Dom doing his job. Too bad nobody else on Philly did theirs. Credit to Frisco for going in on the road, having a horrible first quarter, dealing with a hostile environment, garbage weather, and Big Dom, and making it look so easy. Save for that three-game blip, Frisco has been utterly dominant all season. They were utterly dominant again yesterday. They are utterly the most complete team in the NFL. Sirianni and Big Dom wrote checks with their mouths that the Eagles could not cash. 
But Debo Samuel backed up everything he ever said about the Eagles in the NFC Championship when he basically said it would not have even been close if Big Clock Brock didn't get hurt. Judging by yesterday, he might have been right. It was supposedly this mystery all week as to why Frisco was favored in Philly. Well, you just saw why. They were favored because they have been playing much better than Philly has. Yeah, I know, Philly fan. You had a really rugged 13-day stretch. I get that. I do. But the fact of the matter is, that's why Frisco was favored, and they should have been favored by way more, which is why the head and I were all over Frisco on the Friday edition of Big Head Bets. Well, actually, the Big Head was all over Frisco because it's his foster fam. I was all over Frisco because I think that highly of him. Which is not to say that I don't think highly of Philly. But Philly had been living really dangerously for a really long time. Of course, it was going to come back and catch up and bite them in the back at some point. Philly did their best to fill it up. I'll tell you what what went wrong, Siri. You're interrupting me during the open. Way to uh, mess with my train of thought. Oh, no, there it is. Philly did their best to fill it up. But the power of Philly was not strong enough to overcome the power of Frisco. That's not the only power I want to talk about in the open. There was another force at play yesterday. Another force working big time yesterday. That force was the karma. The jungle karma. The jungle karma. Always powerful enough. Don't believe me? Why don't you go ask... The kings of karma right now. The Texans. The karma is flowing in Houston. Like in canals down the streets. Rivers of karma. And along with touchdowns and dubs. That right there was a massive win for C.J. Stroud and the Texans to stop the streaking Broncos who had won five straight. And put the Texans right on the verge of a playoff spot. Ask me, hell yes, that's a playoff team. The Texans, I'll say it again, the Texans are a playoff team. And CJ, this dude just gets more impressive every single week. And not just for what he's doing, but the way he's doing it, with that swagger, with that attitude, the kind of brass set that had him going toe-to-toe with a linebacker who tried to get in a late shot. Here's what CJ had to say about that after that little incident after the game. I'm a man, and I'm not going to let somebody just come push me, especially in my house. Like, you're not going to just touch me after the whistle. You clearly hear it. And um, I'm not mad at that dude. Like, he's play, he playing hard. Try to, he maybe tried to slow, he didn't, but I, I ain't like it. And I got to control my composure. At the same time, I'm a man. And uh, like Juicy said, I'm standing on business. So. <laughs> CJ's a man. I love that. Houston, that right there is your franchise quarterback. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. 
I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors, old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Of course the team is in love with that dude. Who wouldn't want to go to battle with that dude? Of course, virtually every one of his teammates came to his defense on the field. I half expected 60,000 Texan fans to run onto the field and have his back. They love this dude, and with good reason. I always go back to that sit-down I had with him on Radio Row last year and how blown away I was with this dude's charisma and his it, and it just keeps growing by the day. And the karma was not only flowing in Houston. Plenty of karma to go around. Jim Ursay's boys have it as well. (laughs) Love to see it. My man, you are welcome, billionaire. You are welcome, billionaire. I'd love to see it too. In fact, if the Colts keep going like this, they're going to find themselves in the top quartile of the upper quartile of winners. In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Huh? That, that makes even less sense now than the first time I heard it. But it's more awesome now than the first time I heard it. Can I have that one more time, Alan? In Alan. the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top you, quartile Alan. of that upper quartile. That's rare air. So good. Whatever the hell that means. I love it. You're welcome, billionaire. I am more than happy. Not that I can control it, but I'm more than happy to dole out the jungle karma to you. You're Shout out welcome. to Michael Pittman Jr. Dude popped into the jungle on Friday and then merely walked it off in OT on Sunday. Second and goal. Minshew going back that way. Head zone. Touchdown. Ball game. Colts win. Michael Pittman does it. Of course he did. Was there any doubt for even a second? Of course he did. Made it look easy, too. The 7-5 and five Colts. 7-5. and five. They currently hold the AFC number 7 seed. Led by their first-year head coach, without their starting quarterback, and their star running back banged up. Is it okay to say they're having a really good season yet? Do I need to run this by you, JTP? And by the way, JTP, with all due respect, do I need to run anything by you? Because I'm right about this, too. Some of you are pushing back on that when I mentioned that they were having a hell of a year at 6-5. and five, And then they wanted to know why, oh, really? Then why are the Bills melting down at 6-6? Six and six? Nice try, JTP. Now they're 7-5. and five. And by the way, the Falcons also, did we or did we not talk to Desmond Ritter at the end of the week? Did they or did they not win? Jungle karma. Look up at it. It never fails. The Colts now are not the only surprising 7-5 team. As an example, going the other way, I still can't figure out how the hell the Steelers won seven games. The Steelers have to be the worst 7-5 team ever. And now it's about to get even worse on offense. In fact, way worse. You can imagine this. It's going to get way worse because they've lost 
Tiny Hands. Tiny Hands. Tiny Hands. Although, Alvin, I was about to say, you can lay off the alarm because dude is now hurt. Thank you. It's not appropriate when the guy's hurt. It's really not appropriate anyway, but especially when the man is hurt. Now they've got regulation-sized hands in Mitch Trubisky for at least two to four weeks. And I would say it can't possibly get any worse, but I would never doubt this offense. Not this offense. I mean, apparently running Matthew Nova Scotia into the wood chipper did not solve all of Pittsburgh's problems. And it sounds like their problems are a lot bigger than just who is calling the plays. Check out Jalen Warren after the game, just casually admitting that they really weren't prepared and didn't take the Cardinals seriously enough. Yeah, I guess just taking them lightly, light, lighter than you should have. Do you feel like that was an issue? Was there a problem in prep, you know, overlooking them? Yeah, could be. Uh-oh! Imagine anything more aggravating to Mike Tomlin than one of his guys saying publicly, yeah, we didn't take him seriously enough. Because it's the greatest indictment ever against the coach. And Tomlin's all about that. All about that. No way would we ever take the field anything short of 100% prepared. Man, I can't wait to hear his reaction. We may finally, finally, finally get some straight fire from him on the X. As soon as that works its way back to him, if it hasn't already. I mean, on the one hand, it's not remotely surprising to hear what he said because anybody who watched that game could tell they didn't show up. They didn't take it seriously enough. But again, it's also completely shocking to hear that from a Mike Tomlin-led team who entered the day 7-4 and four and very much still in it. Again, how the hell has that team won seven games? And what's going on with those dudes? And how pissed must Tomlin be right now? And here's something even more important really to consider. Why do we have to watch the Steelers play the Patriots in primetime this week? You might not have known that. That's a done deal. Why do we have to deal with Mitchell Trubisky and Bailey Zappi this week in a TNF torture special. I'm already sweating that. It's Monday morning at 9.20 my time, and I'm already freaking out about Thursday night. Why, why, why? The league flexed their horrific ass product out of a Monday night with the Patriots. So why have they not done the same for Thursday night? I haven't checked yet, but what's the over-under on Pats v. Steelers? Four? Oh, yeah. Incredible game. Steelers won 3-2. to two. Speaking of over-unders, how pathetic and hilarious was Iowa against Michigan? The Hawkeyes getting shut out was one of the most hilarious, predictable, lucrative things I have ever seen. Of course, because we were all over that. The under. Remember how much fun we had at their expense? Remember the big head and I laughing, laughing like hell at the fact that 
they were .5 for an over-under for an entire half in a championship game. And with good reason. They were shut out. Worst offense ever in college. It was funny. It was funny and lucrative. Worst offense ever in college. But Pittsburgh and New England are now vying for that distinction in the pros. Now, of course, we don't know if it's going to be Bailey Zappi for New England, since Hood will never tell us. We just know that whoever it is, it's going to be ass. Wait, there's more. After the game, some chowed journo will want to get in another shot on Hoodman that they've been waiting years and years to deliver. Yesterday, somebody, somebody finally got enough nerve to ask if he even wants to be there anymore. Bill, do you want to stay here and keep coaching the Patriots? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this week getting ready for the Steelers. Did you listen to that robot? Robot's got like four programmed answers in him. They just pull the string in his back. You think at one point he would just finally not, finally just go off the script and be like, hey man, listen, listen, and tell you how it really feels. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the Steelers. I'm just looking forward to the Steelers. Hey, Hood. This guy just straight up asked you, do you even still want to be there? I think if ever, ever, there was a time to warrant you going off the script and letting us know how you really feel, that would have been the time. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the Steelers. Yeah, well, you know what, Hood? You're the only one on the planet looking forward to the Steelers game. If you do want to stay and you want to continue coaching the Patriots, you might want to try to score some points. I mean, you do know that you're still the worst team in the AFC, right? Just checking. Bill looking forward to the Steelers makes that a party of one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this week getting ready for the Steelers. Uh, table for one. Table for one, please. The only redeeming takeaway from that Chargers game was that it was buried on a Sunday morning and it was not a standalone in prime time. From the unparalleled goat to, well, he could be a lame duck. This is not something eyes ever thought they would see. When Bill and Brandon Staley shook hands after that game, I went to that lip-reading app. Have you seen that one? The one with Ime Udoka talking all that junk to LeBron. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I went to that same app. I went to that same app, and I dropped in the Bill and Brandon Staley discussion when they shook hands. And I think it went something like this. Bill said, good way, kid. And Brandon said, thanks, coach. And Bill said, you know what's a better win? When I blow out of Foxborough in a couple of months. And and again, I'm getting this from that lip-reading app. Bill said, you know what's even a better win? When I blow out of Foxborough in a couple of months and uh, I rip your job the next day. Hey, you like that? You like that? How's that grab you? How's that grab you? Make sure that fancy office of yours is cleared out by Tuesday after week 18. Nah, scratch that. Start clearing it out right now. I got to find a place to uh, dock my boat. I hear dock slips are pretty hard to come by. Maybe when they fire you, you can be my dock hand. <laughs> Shine her up. Shine her up every Sunday for me. You know. You know I named her, Right? 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 You know I named her Eight Rings. Eight Rings after Super Bowl 53. Hey, hey, stop trying to get away from me. I'm still shaking your hand here. And when you're not shining her up, maybe you can uh, shine my dog Nike up. 
<laughs> Get it? Take that dog for a walk. W-A-L-K. Say W-A-L-K, though. Because old Nike, when Nike hears it's walk time, Nike gets nice. And by nice, I mean he starts taking dumps everywhere. Maybe I'll buy your house, too. Just so you'll be familiar with the area. You know all the best dog parks, right? Huh? Huh? Enjoy the win, B. If you can call it that. You know I got more rings than you had points today, right? Right? So who's the real winner here, eh, chef? Ah, uh, check that, chief. Hey, wait, are you a chef? Can you cook? I need food, too. Brandon. Um, yeah, okay, coach. Hey, do me a favor. Can you let go of my hand? You're starting to creep me out, goat. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Ross Tucker, he is everywhere, Ross. Good morning, man. What's going on? How are you? Jim, you tell me, man. Been a minute. I'm excited to talk with you. You're the absolute best, dude. It has been a minute. It's been way too long for us. It's great to have you back. I appreciate you. Ross, let me jump right into it. After being dominated for the first quarter by Philadelphia, the Niners came back. They pretty much destroyed Philly in their house. Let me ask you this, Ross. Does that tell you more about San Francisco, or does it tell you more about Philadelphia? I think probably San Francisco. I mean, I you know, you know, I do a lot of work for the Eagles and, and live in the area, but I pick San Francisco to win the game. Really rough spot for the Eagles. I mean, you know, think about it, two weeks earlier. Well, first of all, before that, they beat the Cowboys. Then they play at Kansas City on a Monday night, Jim. We all know they were down 10, came back to win that game. They get back Tuesday at 4 a.m. So they're behind for that week. But then what really happened is playing the Bills last Sunday in overtime, you're talking about guys like Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat playing 80-some snaps. Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, the two young defensive tackles, playing the most snaps of their career. Plus, they didn't have Dallas Goddard at tight end. They didn't have by far their best linebacker, Zach Cunningham. I thought the Eagles would lose the game. I did not think they would get blown out like that. I think what was probably most surprising, Jim, is that the first quarter, the Eagles were dominating. I mean, the first quarter, the Eagles marched on two drives, bogged down inside the red area, had to settle for field goals. The Niners had negative six yards on six plays in the first quarter. For them to then score six straight touchdowns is unbelievably impressive. I don't care who you're doing that against. Six straight touchdowns in the NFL – is ridiculous, but especially on the road against a 10 and one team. hundred percent. I totally agree with you. Ross Tucker joining us. Ross, let me ask you this. Where do you come out on Brock Purdy? And I bring this up because he put up huge numbers. And again, there's always been this skepticism about, is this guy really who we think he is? I mean, he's been dismissed in some circles because he was Mr. Irrelevant, because he plays for a genius and an amazing system, because he's got all these skill and playmakers all around him. Where do you come out on Purdy? Is he great? Are they are they great in part because of him or in spite of him? What is your bottom line on him? Yeah, I think he's awesome. I think he's right now a top five quarterback in the NFL. But 
we don't see that, Jim, for two reasons, right? I mean, number one, and this is a big pet peeve of mine, how long draft status stays with guys. You know, I mean, think about how many opportunities like Zach Wilson got with the Jets because of where he was drafted. If Zach Wilson was drafted where Purdy was drafted, he would have been cut two years ago. But he was the second overall pick, so they get chances and chances and chances. Meanwhile, because Purdy was a late seventh-round pick, everybody's skeptical of him. You know, if you go back, Jim, people were skeptical of Brady even after he won that first Super Bowl. There were people that still thought the Patriots should go back to Bledsoe after Brady won that first Super Bowl. The other thing that hurts Purdy in the eyes of public perception, he doesn't have that many wow plays, right? Like he doesn't run like Lamar or Josh Allen. He doesn't have a bazooka and make crazy throws like Mahomes or again, Josh Allen. He's like Brady. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady. Like Everybody relax. I'm just saying he's like Brady in the sense that what he does is processes information very quickly and throws the ball on time to the right person at the right time. And you know what, Jim? Nobody ever says wow about that. Nobody's ever like, oh, did you see that read? Or did you see that? You see the way he got rid of the ball in two seconds to do that eight-yard in cut? No, they don't say that because what he does doesn't wow you visually unless you really understand how important it is to be able to process things and throw the ball with the ball placement that he uses. I just don't think most casual observers, when they turn on the game and it's 20 million people watching, there's nothing that Purdy does that wows them, which is why he'll never get the credit that he deserves unless he wins probably multiple championships. That's why he's an Ivy man. Ross Tucker breaking it down. So, Ross, you know, on DraftKings right now, Purdy is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. Let me ask you something. Could you make an argument that Tyreek Hill is not only in the conversation but maybe should actually be leading that conversation for MVP, even though a wide receiver has never won the award? Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that? is I think you can make an argument for McCaffrey, too, in San Francisco, which which might almost hurt Purdy, which is why his odds being what they are now at DraftKings is really interesting to me. Because you watch the Niners play, McCaffrey is awesome, and that's who they're trying to get the ball to. Same with Tyreek Hill in Miami. I mean, it's crazy, Jim. I mean, you and I have been doing this a long time now. To see the outright fear that defensive backs have for that guy. And every week, you know what this is like. Every week, the first thing they talk about in the team meeting, Wednesday morning, 8 a.m., how are we going to stop Tyreek Hill? The guys, we just can't let him get behind us. We just can't let him give up the big play. And then he still does week after week after week. Uh, And I always think in, in situations like that, It's like, who would you rather them not have? Like, if you were playing the Dolphins, would you rather go up against the Dolphins without Tyreek Hill or without Tua? That probably gives you a little bit of indicator there. And I think you can say the same thing about the Niners. If you went up against the Niners, would you rather them not have Purdy or not have McCaffrey? It's really interesting because I I do think Purdy should be a, a very viable MVP candidate, just like Tyreek. But I also think that the Niners are still trying to run their offense 
through McCaffrey as much as they possibly can. Like if the Niners players voted, they might vote for McCaffrey because they know how integral he is to what they're doing. Hey, Raj, you know what's amazing? Leave me with this thought. The, the amazing thing to me about San Francisco is not just the skill in the playmakers, but how physical their playmakers are. Would you agree? Absolutely. I love the way they play football. They're skill guys, you know, and there's a lot of skill guys that they don't really want to try to run through people. They don't really want to block. Do you see the way they block downfield? for each other it was impressive Debo Samuel is a man McCaffrey running through people George Kittle's the same way and that's something that Shanahan looks for he specifically looks for guys that are great at yards after the catch that have that dog in them and he knows exactly where to get them the ball so they have the ability to showcase that unique skill Hey, Ross, I got about 60 seconds. How are you playing tonight's game? I think the number is 10 right now. Jags playing on a Monday night. Would you lay those points? 10's a lot. 10's a lot. Earlier in the week on the Even Money betting podcast, I teased the Jags down from laying 8.5 to laying 2.5, and and I paired them with the Jets as well as the Titans. So, I really need for the Even Money Betting Podcast, Jim, I need the Jaguars to win by at least three tonight. Um, At this point, I never lay 10 in the NFL. I would not lay 10 in the NFL, even as much as I like the Jaguars in that game. I think that's really interesting what you just said, that you never, ever lay double digits in the NFL. I, I agree. That number always, always scares me. He is a former NFL offensive lineman. He is an analyst for CBS Sports, Westwood One, and Odyssey. He has become an empire onto himself. He is Ross Tucker. Ross, great job, dude. I appreciate you so much. Always great to have you on. Well done. Of course. Thank you so much, Jim. Appreciate it. U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We are joined right now via Zoom by Eric Kendricks. Eric, it's great to have you back on. Thanks for making time. How you doing? I'm doing good. A little, little bit sore after yesterday's bloodbath, but um, I'm happy. My man, you beat me to it. I, I'm telling you, I was just going to say, I'm really curious, after you grind out a tough dub, you fly back across the country. I was going to say to you, how do you wake up feeling on Monday morning? Like at this juncture of the season, how do you feel mentally and physically as you and I speak right now? I'm not too bad right now. You know, I feel like I, I definitely get have, a, have some fatigue, but I think at the end of today is where I start getting really tired and really sore. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a physical game, and yesterday was, was definitely a physical game. I got to think, dude, the win helps. It might not fix everything, but if you're going to go to all that trouble, make that trip, you come back with a win, that's got to help a little bit. You know, when you play as big as you did, you had 10 tackles, you picked up your first sack of the season, team first, of course, but do you feel like maybe you played your most complete game as a Charger yesterday, personally? Uh, I think so. I think that yesterday, you know, I just was feeling really grateful pre uh, pregame and, um, I feel like I've been that the whole week I was just kind of feeling feeling that kind of vibe and I went out there and 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 just 
you know, it, it was so much fun to me. I feel like it was raining the whole game. We knew what kind of game it was. Like, no one could catch. It was Balls were slipping everywhere. And it was just like, we know we knew it was going to be a defensive game. And, and I feel like that, that was one of the, the better, the, the funner games of my career, in my opinion. Wow. How, explain that to me. I mean, a 6-0 to slugfest. You've had a really nice career. Why would you consider that one of the more fun games you've ever played? I mean, I feel like it's just when you look at, you know, when you look back, when you look back in 12 years, you know, or, you know, 15 years down the line and you look back at like, dang, like, dang, what are, what are some of the cool games? And, you know, as far as like, you know, climate, you know, where we're at in the season, you know, where the stakes are at and just, you know, where you, where your team's at at that point. I feel like, you know, it was just good to be out there with my brothers and, and experience that, you know, I mean, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure everyone experienced the same feeling I had. I'm a little bit crazy, but for a linebacker, you know, getting a little bit gritty. And I feel like that was, that was a cool game for me. We were talking to Eric Kendricks, you know, you mentioned that part of that is where the team is at right now. Like you dealt with some injuries earlier this year, you've overcome them. You're putting up numbers. How would you assess how you've played this year and how would you assess where the team is at right now? How do you feel about the team situation? I mean, personally, I feel like, you know, I feel like it's obvious where we're at. You know, we're not where we want we want to be, but at the same breath, you know, we have more opportunities to play. But, you know, I just want to just take ownership and, and, and you know, really get things right on my end. Um, you know, I feel like um, there's so much opportunity. And, you know, you, you get down on yourself for losing those close games early in the season, but um, – you really gotta, you really gotta flush it in a sense, and just get to the next one, and know that you have another opportunity to, to like play the game you love and play with the teammates who you work so hard with. So I'm just taking it, taking it in the stride, day by day, uh, practice by practice, and, and um, trying to make it happen, happen in these games. Eric Kendrick joining us. You know, you mentioned the games that you lost earlier in the season that were close games. Unfortunately for the team, it's not a new thing, right? Like this was going on before you got there. It's still going on. You've been around the league a long time. It's a team with a lot of talent. A team with a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. How do you explain the team's inability to finish out those games and close those games? Clearly, if you knew, it wouldn't still be going on. But what do you make of it? What's your explanation? I mean, I feel like in in the NFL, there's always going to be really close games. And sometimes, you know, it comes down to skill. Sometimes it comes down to situational awareness. Sometimes it comes down to pure luck or, like, something crazy happening. But I feel like it's that belief that, that anything can happen at any moment and as long as we get, you know, we have that confidence and everyone's flying to the ball and doing the right things and, and you know, being unselfish, I feel like generally you have better outcomes. So we just got to lock in on, on those little details and um, and just take it game by game. We were talking to Eric Hendricks. Eric, let me ask you about your coach, Brandon Staley. A couple of weeks back, you got some run nationally for going to battle for the defense after the Packers game. I'm curious, how did you and your teammates react to your head coach having your back the way he did publicly? Man, we just get back to work. You know, I feel like, you know, you could you could you could do two, you know, you can do two things. You can, you know, sit there and cry about it, or you can get back to work, you know. So let's just get back to work and, and control what we can. Hmm. Bill Belichick didn't officially announce a starting quarterback heading into that matchup. Did that impact your preparation at all? Or did you essentially know it was gonna be Bailey Zappy and just prepare accordingly? Yeah, you know, I we 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 kind of knew uh, a little bit about it, but not 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 too much. You know, obviously it was it was mentioned late, but we 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 definitely just prepared um, from an overall standpoint. We knew they had a really good, really strong running game, um, and 
um, when I woke up in the morning and I saw the, the forecast and, and kind of like where, where we were at, I kind of I kind of had that sense of what kind of game it was going to be. Eric Kendricks is joining us. You know, you mentioned that you had a lot of gratitude in the week leading up to that game. You, can you put your finger on that? Like, is it just because of where you are in your career and your life? Is it because physical you're feeling better? Like, why were you so grateful leading up to this game personally? I mean, I feel like when when things are tough, you got to always lean on that kind of stuff. And, you know, I feel like I've had a, you know, I've had a little bit of a tough year. You know, I started with an injury. I lost my father. You know, we're taking some loss, some losses. And I feel like um, at that point, I, it was just, you know, it, it just seemed right for me to be grateful and, and understand where I'm at in life. You know, I'm in California again with, you know, a lot of my family and friends and a lot of support out here for me. So um, it feels good to play for, you know, L.A. again. And it feels good to, like, you know, represent my family. And that's all I want to do. Eric, when you get to this point in your life and career, family, like when you first got in, you knew that the sacrifices that your family made for you to be where you are. But when you fast forward ahead, five years, seven years, eight years in the league, how much more does family mean to you now? I mean, as it relates to your career. Man, I just, I, yeah, you know, I just, had my, I just had my first son. So it means more than me. It's like the circle of life is kind of all hitting me right now. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it means a lot to me right now. That's a really interesting response. Like, there's so much going on, right? That circle of life. And time goes so, so fast. You know, I mentioned you got your first sack of the year. Speaking of sacks, lest anyone think that Khalil Mack is no longer the sack master. He had another big game. He had a pair of sacks against the Pats. That's his fifth multi-sack game of the season. He leads the league with 15. What have you taken away from your first year playing with him? I mean, is there anything you learned about him that you didn't already know before you got there? I mean, I feel like it's just so it's just so cool playing with him on the field you know when you when you feel that presence um and it's just a uh, you know he doesn't ever do too much you know he ever he never he never really tries to do too much he's very unselfish player he knows his role he wants to do right you know he works hard like just the just the right things and, and that's why good things happen to him you know it's 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 no it's no surprise at all you know, Eric, yesterday's win keeps the Chargers' playoff hopes alive. As you get ready for the Broncos on Sunday, I mean, I get one game at a time, but as you approach that game, is the mindset kind of like, well, in a way, the playoffs have already begun. Every single week now is one and done. Every single week now is a one-game season. Every single week now is a must-win. Am I putting too much on this, or are you going to approach it that way? I know I don't think you're putting too much on. I think it's very it's very real. You know, like take a step back. You know, that's that's the situation that, that it kind of is. But um, just remember, you know, you know, I just gotta remember remember, you know, as well as the people on my team, is that you know, everything we've done to get us in this position that we're in. You know, to you know to make it to college, to play in the NFL. You know, it was just kind of like you have to you have to band together with your teammates at some point. You have to find motivation within yourself. And you have to get the job done, period. You know, whether, you know, stakes are going to be against you at times. You know, things are going to be stacked against you. Adversity is going to hit. And that's why we're in the position we are today, um, able to fight for this kind of opportunity. Right. Let me ask you about one more teammate, and I'll let you go, since you mentioned your teammates. What's, do you, when you talk about milestones and you see Keenan Allen get his 100th reception yesterday and he did so with a quad injury, I mean, like this guy's just done it year after year after year after year. As somebody has been in the league in a long time, how much appreciation do you have for him, the way he goes about his work and the numbers he puts up? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Keenan Allen is just a complete thug. You know I mean? I, I mean, it's just year after year um, since I was in college, 
Um, he's just been handling his business. He's made some of the craziest catches I've ever seen in practice, which is like, you know, I've seen a lot of great receivers in practice and a lot of great work, work ethics and work habits. And he's right there with, with everybody. And um, it's cool to watch. You know, it's cool to it's cool to have competed against him since I was in college and a couple of times in the league. But now that I'm his teammate and you see see the kind of numbers he's putting up and, and you know, you know, and Keenan Allen and Khalil Matt, you know, these guys have been playing, you know what I mean? And it just seems like they're just getting younger and younger. So it's, it's pretty cool uh, to see these these numbers being put up by them said we like everybody watching right now everybody listening right now I would say 99.9% of this audience will never understand what it's like to do what you all do the way you just laid that out like that's a guy that I competed against in college that's a guy that I've known since college I mean dude the bonds the battles the camaraderie can you explain what that life is like to people who have never put on a helmet before yeah man it's 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 just a sweat blood and blood and tears you know I feel like there's people who really, you know, there's real injuries that happen. There's real, like, you see people overcome obstacles. You know, you see people rehab injuries. You know, you see tons of stuff that's, like, mental and physical, you know, and it involves not only, you know, everyone else around them, but it affects them. And you see that, and you go through that with somebody, and you experience that with them on the field, and you experience that within the locker room. And it's just, it's unlike, it's, you know, it's, it's a fraternity. It's unlike anything um there, there really is, and and I think that's why you know football players fall in love with the sport. What's more intense, the highs or the lows? Like, are the highs higher than the lows, or low, or the lows always going to be more intense than the highs? That's a great question. You know, I feel like this is you know when I when I was playing when I was trying to decide between baseball and football in high school a long time ago. I feel like the reason why I chose football was because um, I felt it more. You know, I felt I it it affected me more how I felt about like, you know, I always obviously cared about baseball wins and losses, but there was just so many more games and so many more, like, we're, you know, we're, we're just so much more going on. Whereas football is like, you work a whole week with the people who you're closest with and you really try to get this win. And when you win, it feels so good. And when you lose, it hurts everybody so bad. And it's like, that, that was, what I kind of got addicted to it at a young age, and, and that's probably why I chose football. That is an awesome explanation. Eric Kendricks joining us. Eric, listen, as I mentioned, that's a tough game, a cross-country flight, first thing in the morning on Monday. You're joining us on the show, man. I really, really appreciate you and your time and have that conversation, man. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. Great interview. Thank you. When Jack Savage said that he would defend his granddad and the rest of the committee's decision on the Final Four... I'm thinking he was not expecting this kind of smoke and this kind of heat. And listen, Seminole fan, I get it. I do. I totally understand why Seminole Nation is beside themselves right now. Again, no Power 5 team has ever gone undefeated and been left out of the playoff. It's an all-time kick in the stick. It's got to feel like Jack's granddad and the entire committee and the entire sport just wound up and blasted FSU fan right in the package. They got absolutely screwed. And they have every right to be outraged. Of course FSU got screwed. Of course they should be outraged. They did everything they were supposed to do. They went undefeated. They won their Power 5 conference. 
They scheduled up out of conference. They had success out of conference. Of course they should get the nod over a one-loss SEC team. They got screwed. Period. And they should be infuriated. Except I'm not. And the reason I'm not is I could see it coming from a mile away. Who couldn't? Besides the Knoll, the Knolls, and the Knoll Nation. Of course the committee took Bama over FSU. Of course they took the SEC over the ACC. Who didn't see this coming? Most deserving has nothing to do with this. This is not about most deserving. And even worse, it's not about what happens on the field. If it were about what happens on the field, FSU would be there. It's not about most deserving, and it's not about scoreboard, obviously. It's about money. It's about network ratings. It's about the committee wanting a full-strength Alabama squad against a full-strength Michigan squad. They flat-out liked Bama at full strength versus Michigan at full strength better than they liked Florida State with a backup quarterback versus Michigan. That's why we are where we are. That's why Florida State got screwed. It really is that simple. They liked the matchup better both on paper and on the field, so they made it so. And if you didn't see that coming, you have not been paying attention because somebody was going to get screwed. Somebody was always going to get screwed. And in this case, it's Florida State. And why do I say that? Why was somebody always going to get screwed? Simple math. Four playoff spots, five power conferences. Somebody was always going to get jammed. My surprise is it didn't happen sooner. That's the biggest surprise. Not that it happened, but that it didn't happen sooner because the math is all jacked up. Simple math, but it's all jacked up. Obviously, what you do on the field doesn't matter or Florida State would be in. In fact, since what you do on the field doesn't matter, why stop there? Since what happens on the field doesn't matter, why not just put Georgia in instead of Washington while you're at it? Anybody who has paid any attention to this sport and this system knew exactly what was coming. The committee was never going to pick against Bama and the SEC when they had an injured starting quarterback to pin snubbing Florida State on, right? Yeah, right. Because the committee was not going to invite Nick Saban to the Nick Saban Invitational. The hell they weren't. Oh, my bad. You know how when... The committee reaches a point where they've got to talk about that one committee member's school. Jack, you got to go, dude. You got to go. Actually, you know what? I'm too far into this. You got to stay. You got to stay. I should have had Jack Alt leave. Too late for that, Jackson. You might as well stay for the rest of it and get ready to fight the entire state. You don't even need to go to them. They'll come to you. Hey, listen. The fact is, the system, the system is every bit as much to blame as the committee. In fact, more so more so, a system that the Power Five agreed upon, a system built to screw somebody over. Again, the music was going to stop and somebody was going to end up without a chair at some point. Four spots, 
five conferences. And one conference that clearly gets preferential treatment. The system was set up for somebody to get jammed. Somebody was always going to be pissed off. This time, it just happens to be an undefeated conference champion. I know why they're angry. They have every right to be angry. Just don't confuse the four best teams with the four most deserving teams or the four most entertaining, juicy matchups with the four most deserving teams in matchups. Again, most deserving doesn't mean bleep in this system. I'll tell you what matters. Money, eyeballs, ratings, sex appeal. That's what matters, not most deserving. Most deserving doesn't mean anything. If it did, FSU would be in. And if this is where FSU fan runs in and says, well, where does it all end, Rome? If we're going to ignore undefeated conference champs and just put in sexy teams that people want to watch, why stop there? Why not just snub Washington and put Georgia in? To which I would say, King Kerr. Washington's lucky that didn't happen. And don't get me wrong. They've played great ball. But they're lucky it didn't happen. It happened to Florida State. Why couldn't it happen to them? There was nothing stopping them from doing that. And this is why the whole current system doesn't make a lot of sense. And never has. And never has. We've just been lucky as hell that it never came back to burn them until now. Which is why we should all be glad that this system, as we know it, is coming to an end this year. Which is the big kicker for Florida State. It could have already been over. It could have already been over. If some conference commissioners did not delay it and flex out of pride so they can push back on the big bad SEC and the Big Ten, it could have been over already if some commissioners hadn't done that, including ACC commissioner Jim Phillips. He turned around and called the snub unfathomable. Hey, that snubs a lot of things, Commish, but unfathomable is not one of them. Brutal, yes. Unprecedented, yes. FSU fan might even call it unfair, yes. But unfathomable? Yeah. Something can't be considered unfathomable if you can see it coming from a mile away. Not only was that not unfathomable, it was actually the most predictable thing ever which is why nobody needs a smirking red ass offering fake condolences to Seminole Nation. Nick Saban acting all surprised and humbled and honored to get invited to the Nick Saban Invitational is rich as hell. The red ass never looked less red assed in his life because he knows he got a hell of a deal, but he knew it was coming, right? He knew better than anybody how badly FSU just got screwed and that it was going to go down that way. This is why Saban acting like, oh, I couldn't sleep a wink the night before. Oh, I had no idea. I couldn't sleep until I knew my fate. Man, that to me is like the biggest lie ever. I bet that dude had his best night of sleep ever because that team getting the nod over FSU was the biggest lock ever. Even if it was the biggest jam job ever. It was both. Just don't tell me that guy didn't sleep because he didn't know that was going to happen. He knew. Most of us did. Probably slept like a baby, man. 
Probably reached over to the nightstand, grabbed a couple of little Debbies, munched them all up, went to sleep, woke up feeling like a mill because he knew. He knew. That's my take. Yes, they got screwed. But how could you not see that coming? And how did it not happen sooner? 1-800-636-8686. This is the epitome of reaction. Y'all have a take. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Lanier Messenger is in first. I'm not surprised Alabama got into the field. After all, they're on TV more than leave it to Piva. Reruns. Certainly Duke is Duke. I can't stress it enough. Florida State did everything they were supposed to do. They did everything that they were supposed to do to get in. They're undefeated. They won their conference. They overcame all adversity. They scheduled up out of conference. The SEC had a down year. They were 7-9 and nine out of their conference against Power Fives. They were 4-6 and six against the ACC. Florida State did all the right things. They're just not as attractive a commodity, right? They're not as sexy. They're not as buzzy. They're not as hot. They just did what they had to do. They just did what they were supposed to do. They did what they were led to believe that if we did this, this, and this, we'd be guaranteed to get in. How do you take a school with one loss over a school that's undefeated? That's how. Because they can. And they knew, frankly, and, and I'm not even saying they're wrong about this. Of course Bama looks better on paper and on the field. Yeah, but Florida State's more deserving. I agree with that too. But more deserving has nothing to do with it. They put in who they want to put in. To which Mike Dornville said, well, then why even play the games? Right. He's right. Why even play the games then? What's the point? That is right. Then next year, there will be expansion, and this won't happen again. There'll be somebody pissed, because no matter how far out you expand, somebody will always be pissed. If there's 12, number 13 will be pissed. If there's 16, number 17 will be pissed. But however, one thing that will not happen again, an undefeated school from a Power 5 is not going to be on the outside looking in. But then again, it could have been like that this year. At page Skipper 282 writes, it's clear that the college football playoffs, quote unquote, is about who you are and not your record. Yeah. Tell me again, tell me something I didn't know. The shock is not that this happened. The shock is that this didn't happen sooner. They almost made it to expansion without ever getting burned or having this. You know, the other thing that I would have said over the years was, oh, man, they love this. It's conversation. It's conversation. This might be one of the conversations that they don't love. Let's go to L.A. Matt in L.A. Matt, what's up? Romy Rome, thanks for the vine. Hey, so uh, I wanted to call last week, but I was a little busy. I'm understanding that the pumpkin pie haircutted freak is at it again with these rumors that he's clamoring to bring back John or er, Chunk Gruden for a third go around with the Raiders. I mean, this is like 
Richard Pryor being in Superman 3, Romy. We've seen this movie. It's not going to help the franchise. Stop messing around, Marky Mark. Just remove the interim tag from Antonio Pierce already. He's a leader of men, and he's the guy that should be steering the pirate ship, not another go-round of Chucky doll. All right. I mean, even Al Davis didn't bring back Art Shell for a third go round. If we're going to re-bring Raider coach retreads back, I'm suggesting maybe Tom Cable. He could punch out anybody who gets him pissed off or even Hugh Jackson, who was coming to the uh, press conferences like he was Al Capone's henchman. But uh, really, in all reality, Rome, I think AP has earned it. Unless Jim Harbaugh's walking through that door, the Raiders better not do that stupid crap again. That's all I got, Jimmy. A war cow blimpkin using a hoagie on Orioles postgame shows. War Belly Clarkson doing whatever the hell she does on TV nowadays. Outro. Seems to me, Matt, you were not ready for me to go to you. Seems to me you thought you would have a longer wait time. Seems to me you thought you could kind of work that coffee, work yourself up, and then bam, you'd go. He, he had to be thinking, well, let me see. Rome's going to talk to Ross Tucker, and then he's going to talk to Eric Kendricks. No way they get me in. I got at least 45 minutes to get right. Todd, you are first up. Todd, what's going on? How are you? I could go into ACC-SEC record. I could go into common opponent. I could go into point differential. But I won't, because clearly nobody's listening. You don't know Florida crazy. What the hell? What the hell? Rack him. <laughs> My man. Rack him. That was awesome, actually. I could have fun with that, Jack Savage. Have fun with three million of those. Let's go to Alabama now. Here's the other side. Patrick in Alabama. Patrick, what's going on? Hey, Jim, I don't know what the Florida guy's looking, but they had one common opponent at LSU. Tell me what LSU's combined opponent win percentage. They're nine games under 500. You don't even have your starting quarterback. You beat a pedestrian three-loss LSU, uh, Louisville team that just got smoked by Kentucky, which Alabama boat raced. There is no way you can – most deserving doesn't matter. It's the four best teams. I mean, it is what it is. I don't understand why people are thinking that job. And if, you, if y'all think Florida crazy, come on over the state line and Alabama show how to get a mud hole stomped in that behind, brother. My man. I got to rack him too, right? If I rack Florida, man, rack I got to rack Alabama, man. Y'all think Florida's crazy. Come on over that state line and get a mud stomping. Now we're getting somewhere. Wow. Savage said to me, I hit Savage last night with y'all, bro. Have fun with that. He's like, you know what? Better to deal with Florida crazy than Bama crazy. <laughs> you got to admit, Patrick, who got the invite, sounded even more hostile than Florida man who didn't get the invite. A Bama fan, let me also remind you, as you're going off on like opponents and LSU, this is not a like opponent, but let's not forget, as impressive as it was that you ended George's winning streak, Let's not forget how hard you had to struggle against Auburn, who got hammered the week before by New Mexico State. 
Don't act like that didn't happen. That's part of your resume too. Bama fan being offended that Seminole fan is offended. I'm serious. I'm sorry. As team content fan, that's me, I am absolutely amused that Bama fan. All right. With that said, it is Monday, so that means we have MNF, which means we have a check-in with the big head, James Kelly, head. You won another weekend, right? Yes, sir. So I'm guessing you're feeling pretty good right about now, right? I'm feeling grand right now. Good, I dude, win good. my NFL Sunday bets, and the fam destroys Philly and Philly. Life's right? good. <laughs> Life is good, dude. Which one did you enjoy more, winning the weekend or your surrogate fam destroying Philly and Philly? Priority is money. Money first, bets go, and then fam. Money over fam. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. You're all about the money, dude, for sure. Yeah, like right. the Power so, Five Conference Commissioners, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So you're feeling great. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you who's not feeling great right about now. Follow who's me on that? this. Okay. The same group that's never feeling great. Never feel great unless they're hating on something. What do we call that group? What's that word? What's that mm-hmm. word? Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Haters. Oh, Haters. yeah. Haters. That's what we call that group. They hate because they have nothing better to do than hate. They hate because hate is the new dopamine. Now, let me give you a specific example of what I'm talking about. A specific example, Head, of a certain sect of haters. Mm -hmm. The sect that is constantly coming for you and I Mm -hmm. for being, quote, chalky little bitches. (laughs) For picking the favorites during this segment. Yes. Which, to me... And I'm going to give you your time to respond. But to me, it's the dumbest rap ever. One of the lamest arguments ever. Listen, if we were up in here picking the favorites straight up, Mm -hmm. then that would be one thing. But we don't. Mm -hmm. And we never will. Mm -hmm. We're not giving you money line picks. We're giving you picks against the spread. Straight up And because picking against the spread in the NFL is one of the hardest things to do ever— then calling us chalky little bitches when we do it is one of the dumbest arguments ever. Nice swing bitch. So stop hating just to hate. Stop hating because you have nothing better to do. Believe me, do that. Do what I'm telling you. Stop hating because you have nothing better to do, and then you and the rest of the world will be so much better for it. You little fine boy bitch. And if you're just here to hate, and you can't get off the drug of hate then at least from a business standpoint, rethink your stance and realize how stupid it is because it's costing you money. Yes. Is that an accurate statement ahead? And where do you come out on all this? 100% accurate statement. There seems to be no one louder than hates favorite guy and you are an idiot if you take away favorite guy. Two categories we've made tons of money on for our Friday Best Bets for four years, and that's those two ones. In the last two weeks as well, Chalky Little Bitches are 20-7, and seven, and Road Favorites are 11-2, and two, and Road Favorites on the season are 58.1% coverage rate. Dude, if, you, if anybody in this business hits 58.1% coverage rate, they're stars. You're not working somewhere else if you hit that. <laughs> right? Hey, that is your job. That yes. is what you're doing. Absolutely. But they right. are the loudest by far on social media, and they're pissed when you take road favorites, man. 
Yeah, or okay, that, and then mm-hmm. favorites anyway. But again, and chalky we're not, too, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. Stop. Yeah. We're picking against the spread. It's, it's a really hard. Handicap for a reason, people. Right. I, I can't believe you and I actually have to have that's this conversation. Right. Except Three that's what it is. Irrational. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'd love to say now that we have covered this, yeah. and we did just cover this, mm-hmm. we can be through with this and move on. But you and I both know that's not true. It's going to come up again, and probably before the end of my next sentence, <laughs> because haters going to hate. That's and it. Instead of thanking us, haters will be hating on us. I just want to You're make sure welcome. this vocal minority knows how dumb they sound and how much money they're costing themselves. Right? They're not listening. That's right. Good. All right. So that said, let's go. Bengals at the Jags. That number's been moving around a bit. Where did that number stop? How are you playing that tonight, Ed? Yeah, so love this bet at Jags minus 7.5. The number it came out as, and uh, so did a lot of people. The number is now Jags minus 10 points, wow. and it's because, yes, no Joe Burrow. and 7.5 it started. 2.5 point bump. Wow. Yeah. It's because Burrow, man, and people think the Jags will feast on that Natty D, a defense that ranks 31st in the NFL in yards per game and yards per carry in a defense that ranks last in the NFL in yards per pass. They should move the ball with ease tonight, but beware of Cincy's ability to take the ball away. We're on Um, the Cincinnati. On the other side of the ball, Cincy will want to run the football without Joe Burrow, but no one holds running backs to fewer rushing yards than the Jags have this season. Jake Browning will have to make plays with his arm to keep this close, uh, close, but good news is he will have T. Higgins back, but the Jags are the second-best team in the NFL in taking the football away themselves, so big Browning game here. Um, also, there's some wild numbers and notes on this game. I picked game. up on that butt. Alan did, too, a little bit late, but I, I knew you did that. I saw what you did there. But, yeah. But? Yeah. But? 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 John Junk? Gruden? But? Thank you. Right but. there. But, check these numbers out, Jim. But I deserve a third chance. But, but. <laughs> yeah, what numbers you got? The Bengals have lost 15 straight primetime games on, on the road and 26 of 27 night road games. They haven't won a Monday night football game since 1990 when Sam Weich was coaching and Boomer, your guy Boomer, was a quarterback. Um, also funny, the Jags so what are you haven't trying hosted. To say? Dude, that, those minute. numbers are incredible. In a minute right now. Wow. But the Jags haven't hosted a Monday night football game themselves in 12 years, which had me thinking, who in the hell from the NFL schedule the 2011 Blaine Gabbert-led Jags um, to play in front of the world, but they did. And also, for you clones, guess who they played? You'll love this one. Hmm. Norv Turner. Remember Norv Turner? Yeah. In any case, the Jags have gone seven and one in their last yeah, eight yeah, yeah, ATS. Yeah, I know he, he had a couple weeks off from the <laughs> assembly line at the Pineapple Factory, which then later exploded. I, yeah, I know. Good one, clones. Anyways, good offensive mind, North Turner. Yes. Having you said all like that, you sound like you don't agree. No, not yes. really. I don't. I think it was more players no, no, no. than Norv himself outthinking people. Yes. I think okay. You know, anyway, go Dallas ahead. Cowboys yeah, heyday. Yeah, yeah, I got it. My yeah. point though, Jim, right here. Yeah, what I'm is going your with point, coach. Dude? Yeah, you're gonna get to an EJ reference too while you're at it. Ooh, that'd be fun. Or a Benito reference while you're at it. Ooh, I forgot. Benito. Come on, man. Just stick to football, not pineapples. Okay. My pick here. Yeah. I'm going with Coach Taylor, who is four and twenty without Joe Burrow. I'm taking the ten points. Sorry, the old adage is in play here. Bet favorites early. Dogs late, especially when they bump the line two and a half points. I'm going Bengals plus ten here. Wow, dude. Two okay, and a half points, you are man. not a chalky little bitch, are you? Not today. 
Not today. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, Ross Tucker says something that I was thinking about as I thought about this pick earlier. He's like, you Mm -hmm. know what? I'm just not comfortable. I'm not comfortable with 10 points in the NFL ever. So many. Ever. So many. Double. It's so many. Mm -hmm. Double digit spreads concern me and obviously against good teams. But I hate to say it, but the Bengals are not who we thought they were, and they're not the team that they were, and we know this. Not without Joe Burrow, and you laid out those numbers about the defense. Man, it's breaking my heart because you know that I'm a Lou Anarumo guy. I know. If you're a member of the Shanahan family, I want to be a member of the Anarumo family. I know. I love Lou, but that defense has been getting gashed, and those numbers don't lie. In the meantime, the Jags are not only who we thought they'd be, but because the AFC overall is not what we thought it would be, Suddenly, the Jags have a legitimate shot at the top seed in the conference, yep. and they know it, and I expect them to prepare and play like it against a Bengals team that, who you point out accurately, always seems to have trouble under the lights in prime time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I never feel good about a 10-point spread against anybody unless it's against the Panthers or the Patriots, <laughs> for instance. But I feel pretty confident in saying it. They're going to win, and they're going to cover. Duval is going to be off the hook tonight for a primetime game. I will lay the 10. Jacksonville, minus 10. Fun. All right, fun. You You and I are on the opposite side of this one. Is there a prop or two that you like? Yeah, I got two here. Only the Saints and Colts give up more rushing yards. Don't you want to call me a chalky little bitch? What's that? Don't you want to call me a chalky little bitch? No, I don't want to get ran. Okay. No, no. Yeah, but why not? They, they will anyway. You might as well get in there first. Yeah, if I lose this, they're going to come at me anyways. Way to take the points, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, like, man? Give me a prop bet or two. Uh, like I got two prop bets here. Only the Saints and Colts give up more rushing yards a quarterback than the Bengals do. I'm going with Trevor Lawrence over 13.5 yards rushing, and only the Broncos give up more yards per game to tight ends than since he does. Evan Ingram has Love not him. scored a touchdown. Love him. Zero touchdowns on the season. I'm going to say he's going to score a touchdown tonight for plus 250 prop to score a touchdown. I tonight. love the guy. I think he, he I do too. yes, I like he's that. He's a weapon. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so running back really quickly, what are the three things you're hitting? Bengals plus 10, Trevor Lawrence over 13 and a half yards rushing, and Evan Ingram to score his first touchdown this season at plus 250. All right, head, you got a chance to make some dough. Good job, as always. Thank you very much. Thank check you. It, check you tonight. Hey. Head and I. Trying to educate you clones. Hey, listen, you can say we don't know what we're talking about, but you got to stop with this, you chalky little bleeps. Straight up bitches. Good night, Nation!